All right, welcome to our, our uh, midweek service where we've been talking about connection, small world, big God. Uh, last week we, you know, just got into talking about uh, family, the value of family, and how when we're um, in an isolated situation, God uh, finds the right fit for us in family. Uh, today, uh, as we're talking about connections, <clears throat> as we're talking about connections, I was in a different uh, altitude yesterday, so it affected my voice a little bit. But as we're talking about connections today, we're going to get to, uh, uh, could you help me just a little bit, please? Thanks. All right. We're going to talk about connections and family connections, and we talked about how a lot of times when you're having family connections, how you have to work, work through things or talk through things. And today we're going to hit uh, some things uh, stood out for me. We were in a, a day and a half pastor's retreat. And um, this one comment or, or one passage was mentioned, and it kind of locked into what we're talking about. So we're going to uh, lock in and talk about that also. Uh, but let's start here with this. If God sends you to a body, to a family, to a relationship, you can guarantee it's not already complete. If God sends you to a body in the body of Christ, a section in a body, sends you to a family, he sends you to a relationship, you can guarantee it's not already complete. And one of the main reasons is because it doesn't have all because all of you has been missing from it. So if God sends you someplace, it's, if it has everything, it's missing something very important, and that's all of you. And so a lot of times we go into situations and we'll look and we'll say, well, the situation is missing this, or they don't have this, or they don't have that. But a lot of times, the fact that you recognize it, you are actually the catalyst to make it happen. You know, the fact that you have a, uh, a pull in that area, you're, you're a big catalyst for it. So you can guarantee if God puts you in a body, in a family, in a relationship, that it's not already complete because all of you has been missing from it. Because all of you has been missing from it. So a lot of times we go into situations and we sit back and reserve and say, okay, well, you know, you know, I'll wait to, to uh, you know, insert myself into this environment or commit into this environment. And sometimes we say it's because of the last situation I've been through or because I went through before. But the interesting thing is you're not in the situation you've been before. The other piece to, to that is, uh, which I don't think we're hitting it this Saturday, but I know in the, uh, probably in the following Saturday when we talk about spiritual authority, when we move into these different fits and connections, it's all about obedience to God. It's not about circumstances or what's happened to me before. That's why the scripture says, forget the things that are behind you, right? You can't really secure a solid connection if you're constantly looking uh, through the mirror of the past. Right. All right, so hopefully that makes a little bit, little bit of sense. And then in a solid family, uh, connection is isn't just about what you do, it's about who you are. In a solid family, when you, when you 
find solid connections, it's not just about what you do, it's about who you are. Because you can always, even in your, your greatest expertise, you can always miss it. You can always, there's, there's something that you, you may slip and do wrong. Or also, even in your greatest expertise, there's always something that you don't know, right? There's always something that we don't know. You know, some of us know a lot more than we, did, we have before, but there's so much more for us to learn and realize. That's why a solid connection, when you meet solid people and you run in solid connections, it's not really about all you dotting your I's and crossing your T's and all the things you do. It's about who you are. So people are connected to who you are. That's why some of us, we, uh, we, we play this, this uh, too-good-to-be-true role sometimes when we find solid connections because we, we look at ourselves. This person couldn't possibly be head over heels for me or care about me this much or really be sent to empower me the way they are, but you're not basing that on who you are. You're basing that on maybe what you believe you need to accomplish or maybe if you're so used to uh, presenting all your accolades or all your accomplishments that go out ahead of you, but a solid connection don't really care about your accomplishments and your accolades. They care about your heart. Solid connections care about your heart. And so the adversary understands that we thrive through solid connections. When we find our fit, when we find our favor, when we find the environment we're supposed to be in, whether it's the team, whether it's the ministry, whether it's the family, whether it's the relationship, God, uh, uh, the adversary understands that we thrive. You see somebody, I saw a guy at the gym. Uh, let's see if I could do this without messing things up. Oops, let's go with that theory. I messed everything up. So guys at the gym, so, so picture this is the, this is uh probably going to mess things up if I do it this way, but I'm going to do it. All right, All right so, so this is the mirror. We're like, you know, and this is the, the bench. Turn this way. I'll turn this way. So this is the bench. So, so, you know, you're working out, you're trying to maximize your time. And between sets, you want to make sure you keep your muscles fired up. So you don't want a whole lot of delay between sets. But I noticed, I noticed like for a long time, he was just sitting there talking on the phone while he's talking, right? And so then after a while, he was, I know I got this piece on. I'm going to try to do this. So after a while, so, so this, is the, this is the bench where you're supposed to bench, right? So... After a while, he was laying down, but he wasn't benching. He was laying down, and then he kind of, I don't want to knock over that. Then he kind of had his foot kicked up like this, right? And he's talking, you know, he's talking, having a conversation. You think he was talking to a guy or a girl? A girl, right? Right? How you know? Because who works out at the gym, foot all kicked up like this? You know he was not talking to a dude, right? Right? And he wasn't even, he wasn't working out. And so, so, so I'm lifting, and I said to myself, oh, he done, he done found somebody he in love, right? Because, uh, you know, just, just knowing his mannerisms. You notice how we change up, you know, when you, when, you, when you connect with the right connections? You relax. Like, he ain't care who was around because it really looked kind of weird, you know. Well, he ain't care. Like, you don't care. Your whole flow changes, right? And so the adversary understands we operate in a level of, like, our the endorphins or our, our adrenaline changes when we're in a good, good relationship, right? Something happens. When everything is flowing, you, you, you uh, so we was in this day and a half uh, 
uh, pastor's retreat. So, and I told my wife, I said, uh, this, this couple was in front of us. I said, something, something's, something's not right there. She's, you know, so well, how do you know? Well, how I know is, so praise and worship is going on. So she's embracing him. Like she's, you know, she's, let's say they're standing, chair is here. She's over here. She's embracing him. He had his hands on the chair like this. That guy never moved. Never responded to the embrace or nothing. And then I noticed she let her hands go, and he still was just like this. He never moved, never made eye contact, never did nothing. So then he left. He leaves. He comes back. When he comes back, it's like she's not even sitting there. He just came back and sat in the seat, never made eye contact. And for me, that's weird because I'm not going to be walking back and forth around Pastor Mel. We ain't going to make no eye contact, no smile, no nothing, no picking with he Like, it was nothing. He was just... That's the result of when connection is not right. When connection is right, not right, people can tell too. You flow different, right? You funky with everybody, right? Right? Yeah, y'all know. You know how we get. All right, so the adversary wants to sever us from connections. That's his job. He wants to create a lot of uh, a disconnect in our lives. So the adversary wants us illegal aliens or what we call kingdom defectors. He wants us to be illegal aliens or kingdom defectors. He wants us disconnected from great relationships. Let's look at Ephesians 4.18. Hey, remember how you and your, your cousins or your sisters, your brothers, you remember how, how, how everybody got along and had so much fun? What happened? What happened to that? What did you say? You said disconnection, right? Disconnection, right? Misunderstanding, right? All right, so let's go to Ephesians 4, verse... Well, we're going to focus on 18, but let's start at verse 17, right? It says, this I say there... I'm sorry. Ephesians 4, we'll start at verse 17. We're going to focus in on 18. It says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, look, in the vanity of their mind. You know what it means when it says vanity of their mind? Think about vain, to be vain. It's all, it's all about self. I, I, I'm very rarely considering my audience or caring about anybody else, right? And in verse 18, it says, look, so when a person walks in advantage of their mind, verse 18 is the continuance. It says, having the understanding darkened. So now, just regular processing and understanding. What keeps me and David in a friendship? Well, there's a level of understanding, right? What causes us to disconnect? There's a level of misunderstanding. So, so with the first person that goes dark creates a disconnect, Right? Okay, so this is some B.C. days. I'm going to have to say this tactfully because, you know, you have people hanging out. So in the B.C. days, I was uh, participating in something I wasn't supposed to be participating in, right? So, so and I was in a, a relationship I wasn't supposed to be in, right? So I'd come home, and I would bring uh, what we call Bud, okay? So I was just trying to be tactful here. And it's probably like this big, right? So I was bringing from upstate New York. And so... So we would, uh, uh, see, how can I do this? We would create what we call baseball bats, all right? So y'all use your own imagination, you know? So, you know, 
So, and then we would, we would uh, how could I say, we would, uh, I'm only saying there's people out there because there's younger people here. Uh, we would uh, breathe in the baseball bat, right? So, so, but when I first showed up, we're having a conversation. Hey, how you doing? Oh, how you been? Oh, this, that, and the other. But then once we start to breathe in that baseball bat, now it's like, so what you mean by that? So what you trying to say? So what you trying to say? Full-blown argument. Why? Because we're clouded now. And when we're clouded, what? There's going to be what? Missed understanding. Right? Right? You, you rarely ever, most of the arguments is what? People what? Like people showed up to fellowship at this party and get together to celebrate, right? But once people get what? Intoxicated, what happens? Like you always say, ah, oh, so, there they go. They about, they about to tear up the party, right? But not because they're their genuine self, what? They're clouded, right? So they're more apt to what? Misunderstand because what? Their understanding is darkened. So they're, they're processing different, right? They could take a compliment and turn it into criticism, right? Right? We good? All right, okay. You could take a compliment and turn it into criticism. All right, so this is all going to uh, line up here. It says, having the understanding darkened, right? Look, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So now, the adversary got them to a place, got them vain first, right? Vanity of their mind. Got, the, got them darkened in their mind, causing misunderstanding, right? Now he's alienating them through the life of God because now they're ignorant and their heart's blind, right? And so now he's created a divide. A house divided can't stand, right? I'm trying to create a divide. So the adversary wants us either illegal aliens or kingdom defectors, right? Defecting from the kingdom. Remember when some of us defected, right? Yeah, I forgot so quickly, right? Look, so uh, Colossians 1.21, Colossians 1.21. We're talking about connections, but we're talking about how the, how the adversary understands that, that connections are important, so he has to work in our lives to try to infiltrate our minds and our hearts to create disconnections through misunderstanding, right? And, and, and he tries to get us, we talked about what? V- vain in our mind. Now, vanity in their mind, we know the people that think that they, you know, that they're the most beautiful thing or, or God's gift of creation, and, and that's, that's, we only look at vain that way. But the people that are self-loathing are vain too, right? They're vain, you know, what is this song, You're So Vain? You probably think this song is about you, don't you, don't you, right? Right, so, so, so vanity is everything is about me. They don't like me. They can't stand me. Mm-hmm. They didn't speak to me. Now, mind you, I didn't speak, <laughs> but, you know, they're supposed to speak to me. That's, you know, I come to a church, and I'm going to sit around and wait and see who approaches me. Well, I can just go approach everybody, right? It's one of me, as many of them, right? All right, so, so, so the adversary wants us to get us there. Now, look here at Colossians 1, this whole alienation thing. It says, uh, verse 21. It says, Colossians 1.21, it says, And you that were sometime alienated, look, look, and enemies in your mind, look, by wicked or twisted or perverted works, 
yet now has he recounseled. So when God comes in our life, he's trying to bring us, reconcile us, bring us back into connections. But he says, when God first comes into our life because we defected, we were alienated, right? You see, this, this says it, alienated. We were sometimes alien and enemies what? In our minds by wicked works. There's nothing that we do wicked that's going to help us to see ourselves as a part of the family of God, right? It'll cause what? Missed understanding, right? So, so it's amazing how the adversary has suckered some of us to alienate ourselves from God and the kingdom. It's amazing how he suckered some of us to alienate ourselves from God and the kingdom. Now, one of the ways he's done this is, is misunderstanding criticism. One of the ways he's caused the divide is misunderstanding criticism. See, the reality is criticism is, is a healthy part of life. But if you've been so alienated when you get into an, an atmosphere where you need critique to grow, you'll misunderstand a cr- critique and you'll run away from the very place that God sends you to be connected because you don't understand how to process through criticism. I was watching a uh, sports talk show, and so one guy had, had grown to be very, quite famous. Another guy was a former athlete, and he was growing. He was, he was becoming uh, someone that people would want on their show. So they're on the show, and they're talking, and the guy that has his own show says, you know what? He says, man, uh, you guys, man, are powerful. I'm think, I think I'm going to have you on my show. So the one guy says, okay, just let me know whenever. The other guy says, hey, so let me know when, uh, this, that, like he just kept talking about it. He said, ho, ho, ho. He said, don't get thirsty, man. I said, I'm going to have you on the show. But it was almost like he panicked just in case he changes his mind. I got to convince him now. Let's make a date right now. He, he said, man, don't get thirsty. Now, somebody would tell us don't get thirsty. We're going to be on the set. We're going to get a fit. Who you calling thirsty? What you trying to say? But his actions was thirsty. Now, this is from, in front of millions of people. But in their culture, the guy didn't get offended. Because you know why? He knew, yo, man, you're right, man. Because he knew he was being thirsty. See, some of us can't get on those platforms. Because as soon as somebody calls us thirsty, we're going to look at the word thirsty, what it means, and we don't want to be that instead of looking at we are that. So a lot of us are fighting because we don't want to be looked a certain way, but we are a certain way. So you're not being defensive because it's not true. You're being defensive because I don't want to be seen that way. Well, don't, don't be that way then. Right? Okay. Let's, I see that's, that's going over real well. So let's look at this. Uh, 2 Samuel 16. Uh, this scripture was brought out uh, Monday in this retreat we was at, and I just thought it was powerful. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to... It's a lot here. All right, I'll read a little bit of it. 2 Samuel 16, uh, 5 through 14 is what we're locked in on. All right, so, so you know, we know David's king, and David's going through a process where his son is uh, rebelling and tripping on him. And so it says here, verse 5, it says, When, da- when King David came to Bahurim, it says, Behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimni, Shimni, uh, the son of Gura. He came forth and cursed 
still as he came. So now, remember now, David had an opportunity to take out Saul, and you know the backdrop. Uh, uh, Saul was jealous of David, went and chased David, first threw a javelin at David, then was chasing him, trying to kill him. David and them had Saul cornered, but David told his guys, no, no, don't touch God's anointed. That ain't on me. That's on God. Then it was in another, so Saul realized, David, you're a better man than me. Saul came to himself. Then, you know, they parted ways. Then the evil spirit came in Saul's heart again. And he went out after David again. They had him again. They could have killed him. He told his guys, don't touch him. That's God's anointed. I'm not messing with him. And then even as when Saul passed, David wouldn't kill Saul, even though David knew he was the next king. And when a guy came and announced that Saul got killed, he lied and said, yeah, he says, well, who, who killed him? I did it. I put the sword on him. He says, so you thought it was no big deal for you to just kill God's anointed like that? And they kill, he killed that guy. Then he took care of his son. His son was lame. He let his son come at the king's table. So, so the backdrop is save, uh, David never done anything evil against Saul, even though Saul was trying to be evil against him. But this guy is from the house of Saul. He's cursing him out. As soon as David shows up, right? Verse 6, and he cast stones at David and all, of his, all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and left. So David had his, his boys with him. He had the, you know, the guys that, you know, the left hand guys that were skilled. This guy's throwing stones at him. He got his army with him, Right? It says, and thus said Shimei when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of uh, Belial. So he's basically saying, you killed Saul because he don't know, right? And, and the Lord has returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. So he's saying everything that you're going through now with your son is because of what you did to my daddy, which he ain't do nothing to him, Right? It says, uh, uh, so, so basically he's, he's criticizing them unfairly. He says, uh, all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, thy son, and behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. He's saying the reason why your son's coming against you because of what you did to my dad, which he did nothing, right? Then said Abishai, Abishai, the son of uh, Zeruai, uh, unto the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Now, this is one of his top guys that's, 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 that's skilled. He said, hold on, hold on, hold on. You ain't got to deal with him cursing you. He said, let me just go take off his head. We don't want to, how is this dead dog cursing you? We'll just take him out, right? And the king said, whatever I have to, what? have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruah? He says, uh, so let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who shall, who shall then say, wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai, I don't know if I'm saying it right, and to all his servants, behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do, uh, do it? He says, let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has bidden him. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but basically what David said is, let him criticize. 
He says, my most important thing right now is my son has lost his mind. I could care less about somebody criticizing. Like, so he says that for whatever reason, the Lord has allowed him to criticize me. But, but the thing is, he already knew he didn't do nothing. And he already knew he could t- take him out. But, but he didn't retaliate because somebody criticized. You know why? Because criticism is a part of the package. The Bible says you shall receive a hundredfold with persecution. So you want the hundredfold, but we don't want the persecution. Right? Criticism is, is we all face criticism as a part of our life, positive or negative. This was unfair. We flip, and it's fair criticism. It's the truth. And we flip, this is unfair criticism, and David didn't respond. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. So it doesn't make a difference how people are coming at you. The Scripture says in Matthew 27, 14, it says Jesus uttered not a word when they, when they brought him to, to trial. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to save face. Like, do what y'all got to do. I don't have a problem with this. Look at this. Now, the reason why, because his obedience to God was more important than defending himself. His obedience to God was more important than defending himself. Let's look here at Isaiah 53. So, you know, we're talking about connections and the value of connections. We've been talking about turning that power, that those promises into power on Sunday, you know, and in, on Saturdays we're talking, we're, we've been talking about spiritual authority, which is going to be a whole lot of people upset that they missed that class. But... The reality is God is setting us up for some big things. And so this piece in the connections is important because when you're doing big things, you're going to deal with big criticism. Everybody's not always going to understand you, right? Everybody's not always going to care. All right, so uh, Isaiah 53, we'll lock here, lock in on verse 7, 53, 7. It says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to slaughter, as a sheep before the shears is dumb. He opened not his mouth. So he did not try to avenge himself, or he just, he embraced the process. So, so he knew something. If, if there's a level of deliverance, I need God to do that. My focus here is just to be obedient to God's will. And the thing is, you could be on, a, on the right path. You could be traveling on the right path, and there's criticism on the, on the left and the right of you. Some of us are so worried about what people think, we'll leave the right path to prove to them they're wrong. So you prove to them that they were wrong at the expense of the victory you was on your way to. Right? It's a dangerous thing. And, and think about it. Some, a critic has no power until you respond to them. Because a critic that you don't respond to is just talking. Once you respond, you just offered, you just gave them power. Once, once, once they become, you just gave them value. Up to that point, they're talking, they don't even know if you're going to even respond. Like, like, you know, one of the things I was taught in basketball is, is never respond to people talking trash. Well, our philosophy was get them in the net. So when they talk, just keep in the net. So, and, and one of the tricks of the game was this. I would, I would pay a guy no mind the whole game. He talking, talking trash. I'm just coming down like he don't exist. That's the way I was taught, like he didn't exist. And let's say if the game was on the line, it was a close game. At that point, then I would look into his eyes and start laughing. 
So the whole time he's thinking he has no value. Now I'm looking through his eyes like, oh, you about to get done now. You know, and, and it would, I'm giving you secrets, but it really affected people's minds because they're doing their best. I'm, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do this to you. I played in this league. We won a game, so, so we're out in the parking lot. And a guy came up to me and says, uh, you're a man of God, aren't you? I said, yeah, but how do you know? He says, well, you don't understand. On my team, I'm the enforcer. The scouting report said, all I had to do, knock you around, take you out of the game, and we would win the game. But you was playing like I didn't, didn't even exist. I said, well, I don't play against competition. I play to glorify God. So with all due respect to you, you didn't exist. He says, but I was doing my best trying to knock you around, stuff like that. But it's like you, hello, like I'm here. So I had more effect on him not responding than proving I was just as tough as he was. Right? Something to think about, because this test is coming up here soon for some people. Kenneth Hagin said, um, never answer your critics. Right? Never answer your critics. And this is the thing. If you don't know God and his love for his family, one criticism, one questioning, one person leaving the team can pull you away. You have people, we fall, they fall on with the team, but then this person left. Well, I wonder why they left. Well, maybe I should left. Well, are you being obedient to what God tells you to do? Do you know God? Do you know his love for you? That's how we're doing it? You're making decisions based on what everybody else does? Or are you being obedient to what God told you to do? Right? When you're obedient, people don't get the benefit of your reward. <laughs> right? Just be obedient to what God tells you to do. And this is the thing. For us to handle, to stay connected, we're going to have to be spiritually mature. And only the spiritual mature flow and grow with the family of God. Only the spiritually mature flow and grow in the family of God. Why? They're able to talk things through when it's uncomfortable. Now think about it, you're having a good day, everything's going fine. Now the person you're rolling with decides that they want to do something, you're not sure it's, it's how you flow as a Christian. Are you going to have that conversation? Are you going to go with the flow? Or are you just going to ignore them and play no mind? No, you got to talk it through. You got to have a conversation. You got to let them know where you stand. The spiritually mature embrace the truth. They don't run from the truth. They embrace the truth. There's no pink elephants in the spiritual mature life. Those that are spirit, the spiritually mature's life. Right? The spiritually mature can handle constructive criticism. That's how we grow. Like, you just can't live a, a, a life without criticism. You won't grow. You won't embrace any challenge. There will be no correction, right? And some of us are very good at correcting. We're just not good at receiving correction, <laughs> right? And the spiritually mature are void of offense. They're not easily offended. Void of offense. What is it? Uh, uh, what is it? I believe it's Acts 24, 16. Paul said, I keep myself void of offense. Right? Spiritually mature, void of offense. Now, the immature, the spiritually immature, they sow discord, dissension, and division. They're constantly causing discord, dissension, and division. Because the immature don't talk things through, Right? The immature, they don't embrace the truth, right? 
they'll rather live in a lie. The immature can't handle constructive criticism. And guess what? The immature are easily offended. The immature are easily offended. The immature are easily offended. All right, so for us to, to, to navigate and to benefit from the connections that God has afforded us, we're going to have to pass the test of criticism. We're going to have to pass the test of criticism. You know, there's positive criticism, there's constructive criticism, there's negative criticism, but either way, you've got to pass the test all the way around. Let's look at First uh, Peter 2. So the number one thing in passing the test is don't think defensive first. The number one thing in passing the test of criticism is don't think defensive first. Don't think defensive first. How many think defensive first? You're in church. Get your hands up. <laughs> hey, you want, want me to uh, prophesy? I go through the aisle, prophesy who thinks defensive first? I don't have to prophesy because I've been around you. <laughs> right? You two watching on video, you ain't exempt. Right? All right, so don't think defensive first. So 1 Peter 2. Uh, 19. And I'm going to read for the sake of time. Well, I'll just read both. I'll read King James and the Amplified. It says, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscious toward God endure grief, right? Suffering wrongfully. It says, for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, basically checked for your faults, you take it patiently. Like, what glory is it you taking it patiently? You're wrong. You should take it patiently. It says, but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. The Amplifier says this, for one is regarded favorably, is approved, acceptable, and thankworthy, if, as in the sight of God, he endures the pain and unjust suffering. After all, what kind of glory is there in it if when you do wrong and are punished for it, you take it patiently? But if you bear patiently with suffering, which results when you do right, and that is undeserved, it is acceptable and pleasing to God. This is what David did. David took it patiently even though it was undeserved. It was passing a test, a character test. And it was also showing that, well, I know God, God has me covered. He's my vindication. See, it's not our job to protect ourselves, to cover ourselves, or to feed ourselves. That's, God, that's God's job. It's our job to be obedient to what we're purposed to do. That's why the Bible says, take no thought for the things that you need. You know, that's God's job. So, so this is the key. Vindication of defense of whatever reaction there may be should come from God, not from man. Vindication of defense of whatever reaction there, there may be should come from God, not from man. Vindication should come from God. That's not Pastor Keith's opinion. Let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12. See, again, and I, I, you know, I grew up in this culture and I, I was this way. So I know 
oh, there ain't nobody playing me. I, you, you keep thinking you're winning, but you're losing because the people that you prove that's not playing you, you used your energy to win that. The same energy you're supposed to use to fulfill purpose, you stopped off on somebody that what? Are they God now? You're saying they have no value, but yes, you're giving them value by, they, uh, what, what is it? Uh, what does God say on first take? He says, a uh, uh, person has free rent in your head. They, <laughs> they're living rent free in your head. All right? But you're saying they have no value. But you spend the whole day thinking about them. I wait, wait till I get to work. I'm, I tell you what, I'm telling them. But they have no value, though. But they done spent the night with you. They done drove to, to work with you. They've been at your cubicle all day. But they have no value. Okay. I ain't thinking about them. Really? Are you not? So Romans 12, 19. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Amplified says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, requite, saith the Lord. Right? So God is saying, it's my job to avenge. You do a terrible job at it anyway. See, they'll pull you out of place. But if I avenge, you can continue on your path to purpose, right? Let me handle it. It's almost like this. Somebody coming, you know, when you were young, you had a big brother, like, okay, you want to mess with me? You got to deal with my big brother. You're in the kingdom. You, you sure you want to mess with me? You got to deal with God. I, uh, they they uh, uh, stole something from us out here. The insurance covered it, you know. We replaced it. But, but we were sitting around, we was praying for the person because we was like, man, that's probably not good. You stole from a church. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's all types of craziness and nightmares the person have to deal with. Right? So we weren't offended. It's, it was covered. The insurance covered it. Right? We weren't offended. But we were concerned for that person because ignorance, they didn't know what they was doing. Because our thought is, you're coming against God. That's how we operate. You sure you want to come against God? People lying and making up stuff. I'm like, okay, sure you want to come against I called somebody to meet with them, um, and I called them to meet with them because, you know, I really believe God wanted to give that person an opportunity not to be dealing with the vexation they're dealing with. I'm good. I didn't need nothing. No bitterness in my heart at all. Right? So sometimes God wants to, to use us to relieve people because they don't realize what they're doing. So he who vindicates himself does not know God. He who vindicates himself does not know God. He who vindicates himself does not know God. Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 11, he who believes on him shall not be ashamed. So if I believe God's going to vindicate me, he's going to come through for me, he's going to make sure um, it look like they're getting over on me. I can see Jesus saying, okay, it looked like they're getting over me. I'm on a cross. It looked like they got me. But he ended up with all power, didn't he? But if he tried to vindicate himself, he would have won having some value in this earth realm, but he wouldn't have had all power. He's like, man, hey, do whatever y'all want because the end result is I got bigger fish to fry. I'll let God vindicate me, right? And See, that's why he never defended himself. Right? That's why the scripture says, do all, everything without murmuring and disputing. 
without complaining, right? Uh, let's see what we have here. Isaiah, Isaiah 50. And this is, this is valuable to connections because some of us have forfeited uh, valuable connections all because we got all in the flesh. And we allow criticism to have us turn around. They're talking about me. You can't keep pressing your way to be up front and expect, and expect not to get criticism. You notice the people behind the scenes don't get as much criticism because they're not trying to push their way up front. If you push your way up front, you're skipping stages of learning stuff, so you're going to get more criticism that's going to put you back in a place where you got to learn the lessons and be approved, right? So if you push your way up front, if you're, if you're manipulate, manipulating your way through stuff, look for even extra criticism because you're skipping the things you're supposed to learn. So, so Isaiah 50, verse 6, it says, I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. He said, man, now listen, bring it. God's going to cover me. Look, in the next verse, for the Lord thy God, for the, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Because I know God. So spit, trip, do whatever you want against me. I know God. You sure you want to be messing with me? God has me covered. So do we really know God? Look, look, look at uh, 49 since we're in the area. Isaiah 49, verse 23. It says, And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth. It says, And look up the dust of thy feet, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. So he, he, says, he says, Eventually all the people that's coming at you are going to bow down to you. So you're not going to be ashamed if you're waiting on me and my vengeance. That's why the scripture says, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You all right? Uh, Exodus 14, 13 and 14. And so, so, so as we're, you know, we're navigating through these different, um, we're balancing these different pillars as God prepares us, you know, as power breaks through and he prepares us for the things he has for us. So we're balancing through connections and we're balancing through, you know, not just looking at the promises as just words, but converting that promises to power by attaching our faith to it. Um, at the same time, we're learning that even if we elevate into these platforms, we have to stay submitted to authority so we can have authority at every level that we're going through, right? And then here we're learning that, um, that we, we, we got to let God vindicate us. There's going to be criticisms. There's going to be haters, right? At every level. You get your new home, there's going to be people smiling, and there's going to be people that were smiling the whole time until you got that house. All of a sudden, you, you get that promotion, they were smiling the whole time. 
And you could see, you ever see the glass, the glassy eyes of people where they smiling, but you can see in their eyes something else is going on? You know what that is? I can't stand that you got this house. I can't stand it. You got another promotion? Oh, get on my nerves. <laughs> You're wonderful. You are so wonderful. But you can see, they're looking at eyes. They'll show you. Because the eyes can't hold on to what, they, what their mouth is trying to show. They're smiling, but their eyes are saying, oh, I can't stand. He's just too confident for me. Right? But that's just a part of the package. They'll come around. They'll realize. You know, it's just, you know, when people have not known God, they think someone else's promotion is stealing something from them. It's taking an opportunity from them. When they get to know God, they'll go, there's plenty of opportunities, and can't nobody take yours because you were designed and purpose for your opportunity. Actually, it's sitting there collecting dust and spider webs while you looking around and trying to be like everybody else. Right? And so, so, so this, this self-defense is big, and it connects to what we're talking about um, in, on Saturday's uh, spiritual authority, because authority and self-defense self are incompatible. They don't flow together. You can't walk in authority and, and defend yourselves all the time trying to save face, right? You have to invite humility. The Bible says you humble yourself in the sight of God, and he'll what? Exalt you in due time, right? Right? And this is the thing. The one against whom you defend yourself, that becomes your judge. So as soon as that person starts to criticize you and you start defending yourself to that person, you've established that person as your judge and jury. The person that you defend yourself becomes your judge. That's why the adversary is an accuser of the brethren. He's hoping that his accusations have more weight than what God has said about us. And then we try to prove ourselves to him. That's how he got Eve, right? Yeah, look, look you, you, he just don't want, want you to be just like him. She's already like him. Now you're trying to prove to him, nah, I can eat whatever. You see, it's a sucker move. Get you to defend yourself and you go, oh, no, I can do that. We do it in basketball. Oh, man, he ain't going to make that shot. He ain't going to make that shot because we want the person to shoot. <laughs> we just want the person to shoot. Man, you ain't made one all day. No, I, I can make one. I can make one. Good, because we, we, we wanted you to shoot. We just didn't want the other guy to shoot. Thank you. <laughs> all right? We just need you to defend yourself. I told my son, I said, somebody cussing you out, trying to knock you around, talk trash to you, you got him. I said, don't, 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 you're not to prove yourself. Why are they talking to you? Why are they trying to punk you? This is a basketball court. It's not a boxing ring. So why is somebody talking about fighting? If they was a good basketball player, would they be talking about fighting? No, they scared of your game. Because if they had game, they would use their game. I said, you got him. I used to be on the sidelines. Oh, you got him. Oh, definitely got him. He talking too much. Now, now my son couldn't talk. Trash, but I, I talk trash for him. He can't stop you, you know. Just get in the guy's head. Right, so, so, so you got to, you don't, don't let these people become your judge. When you defend yourself, that person rises higher than you when you begin to answer their criticisms. He who speaks for himself is under judgment. Therefore, he is without authority. See, see, when I'm submitted to authority, God speaks for me. When they come at me, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, you're the wrong person. You might want to talk to, <laughs> you might want to talk to the man. I'm not, no, no, I'm just a vessel. 
Now, I'm not even here. <laughs> you want to talk to him. As opposed to what? You know, you ever see somebody, yeah, I, I, I turn the devil upside down. It's not your job. <laughs> That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to fight against him. He doesn't want you yielding to authority. You, you see that? So try, um, okay, whenever one tries to justify himself, he loses authority. When you try to justify yourself, you lose authority. And some of us live our whole life just in justification, making an excuse. Like, we don't even listen to what the situation is. Reflex, ah, no, 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 but you understand it. Oh, oh, stop, stop. Did you just hear all you got to do is this, and then you don't have to deal with it no more? That was Cain's. Cain's making all types of conversation. God was like, why are you tripping? You could have did the same thing your brother did. What's all that noise for? Just make the adjustment. It was just that simple. Like it wasn't complicated. But, but now you don't understand this, that, and that. Well, oh, so now you're going to just send me out here. To, why are you going through all that? You had a model of what to do. He gave his first fruit. You gave your leftovers. It's not, it's not complicated. Why can't we just make the adjustment? Why like we're trying to make it right, fix it, fix it. No, no, you don't have to fix it. Just learn from it, repent, and change. Real simple, right? All right, so invite opportunities for humility. Invite opportunities for humility. The Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, to be clothed with humility. Do you know families grow when people are clothed with humility? Families get, get divided as soon as people get in pride. What happened to the, 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 remember how you had the son that you said boo and, and he would jump? Or you say, you didn't have to say take out the garbage. Hey, mom, you want me to grab that for you? Hey, mom, you want me to go do this? Then all of a sudden, they start feeling themselves and pride come in. You want me to take out the garbage? What you doing? I mean, really? What, am I a slave around here? Like, like, what are you doing? I mean, mind you, you're, you know, I'm, I'm not paying no rent or nothing like that, but I, I'm ignoring all that, right? Pride. You get in pride. Now you think because you're a certain age, you start feeling yourself, and now you ca- cause divide. Is, is, I was talking to a young man, a youth, some years ago, and they were like, you know, my parents get on my nerves, you know, um, you know, uh, y'all, y'all went out to eat Sunday. We couldn't go out to eat. And, you know, we don't ever go out to eat. I said, wait a minute. I said, didn't y'all just buy a new house? He was like, yeah. I said, wait a minute. Didn't y'all just buy a new van? He's like, yeah. I said, man, didn't y'all just go to Disney World? He said, yeah. Now, at the time, I was like, I've never been to Disney World. I don't have a new house. I don't have a new van. But I got, a, I got to eat on Sunday. I said, you're looking at the wrong picture. I said, and then you're talking about I can't wait till I leave. You never break out of a house. You transition out. You never, I can't wait till I'm, I'm out of here. No, no, now you left you without the covering, without the, the authority, without the anointing, without the power. You transition out, you leave with power. You break out, you're out there on your own. Right? But what, how does that happen? Pride. People get caught up in themselves. And, and, and um, I got this from Pastor Dent, and, and uh, I think he was teaching on pioneers for guy talk, I, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, but it, but it, it lines up with what we're talking about. He said, most of the time, God tries to kill us from our accusers. 
He said, God tries to kill us from our accusers. He said, he's been killing the part of us that's accused. So the part that's dying in us is the part that's responding to the accusation, right? And so, so when he was sharing this, this is what I got out of it. God wants to crucify the part that's easily exploited, that flesh part. So when he says embrace the criticism, the only thing the criticism is hurting is the flesh, not who you are. And so it's crucifying the flesh. That's to your benefit. When you save face, you're protecting the flesh. That's to your disadvantage. Right? That's why the scripture says, forget the things that are behind you. Press towards the mark. Right? And uh, Pastor Dent said this. this is, I, I didn't say this. Uh, he said, in order to deliver you from the praise of man, God will baptize you in their criticism. In order to deliver you from the praise of man, God will baptize you in their criticism. I thought that was powerful when I heard it. And so a lot of times you, 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 it's a price that we pay, but it's trying to benefit us to another level because God's trying to get us to learn how to maintain connections. And uh, I've said this I said this earlier in this teaching, so a lot of us have not really been around solid family or solid teens or even participating in things. So what happens is when someone, like solid teens, they're critical. You, there's, like I watch the praise team and, you know, we, sing them, we, we watch them singing on Sunday, but I watch them. Ah, nah, nah, you was on the wrong note. Somebody going to be in that, that, that praise you know, because as we grow, other people will be on the team and be like, what you trying to say? I'm trying to say you're on the wrong note. <laughs> like, we can't harmonize if you're on the wrong note. It's not personal. You see what I'm saying? Well, if you go, well, nah, well, that's the note I'm supposed to be on. Okay, well, you're on the note by yourself, but you ain't on the note with us. And we can, we can hear back there. Like, we can hear who's out. We be trying to EQ and stuff like that. We back, we back there talking all the time. We be like, okay, all right, that, that person is not necessarily... Wait a minute, they're not singing their part, right? Marcus is good for that. He's like, that person ain't singing. They're singing, they're supposed to be singing this part, they're supposed to be singing that part. But we had a musician come in, and the musician was working with the praise team. He said, nah, I've never seen a team like this. He says, because they were challenging each other. He says, most of the time, music ministries are in so much division because people can't handle criticism. You can't harmonize without criticism. To grow in ministry. That's why people struggle in ministry, because people, don't want to, people can't handle criticism, all right? And we're going to have to be able to do that. Now, this, this whole passing the test of criticism, is, is, is this makes it very difficult for the narcissist, because a narcissist struggles to maintain connections. They be alienating connections without even realizing like, because they're so into themselves, they, they have no self-control. So they're not considering nothing. See, the, the narcissist, uh, they have trouble handling anything that they perceive as criticism. So if you have trouble with criticism, you might want to look up narcissism and try to change something, right? Why can't they handle criticism? They can become impatient and angry when they don't receive special treatment. 
See, the narcissist can only, they, they, they have to be treated special. They can't grow with everybody else. They're, 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 it's, it's only, I have to be special. They don't participate unless it's, it's a special invitation, right? They have significant interpersonal problems, problems, interpersonal problems, and easily feel slighted. Like, the narcissist, they have several connections in a heartbeat because every little thing they feel slighted. Every little thing they feel slighted. They react with rage or contempt or try to belittle the other person to make themselves appear superior. Their first response is, I'm going to put the other person down so, so I feel like I'm superior, as opposed to just receiving from that particular person. They have difficulty regulating emotions and behavior. That's what I mean. Like they're, They have very limited self-control. So it's hard to, to harmonize and connect with people because they, they, they act before they think. They experience major problems dealing with stress and adapting to change. And being a part of teams, you're constantly evolving, constant change. One of, one of the things we noticed being around this particular culture of ministries that we was around in the last day and a half is... It's like everybody's in a cave. Like my wife told one person, oh, no, no, the person asked, she wanted to hear her sing. And so, so she says, okay, well, I'll just give you the website. You have a website? And, and, it's, and, and it's not like the person's tripping. It's just that in their culture, they keep things a certain way because change means you have to be exposed to more than you're being exposed to. And to control people, you have to keep them in a cave, basically. I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but I already did, so too late. Too late. Um, I didn't say no names, but you probably figured out who I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so the narcissists feel depressed and moody because they fall short of perfection. They have to be perfect. And we're all evolving. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to miss it, right? And this is the other key. They have secret feelings of insecurity, shame, and vulnerability, and humiliation. So it's hard for them to connect because they're all in themselves, right? And so to, for us to navigate and to connect past these tests, um, we're going to have to embrace criticism, uh, get past narcissism, <laughs> and actually open ourselves up to really grow and be challenged, right? Um, for us to move forward and the things that God's going to do to us, once the stages get bigger and bigger, once the, there's more to potentially lose, it's really nothing to lose because God has afforded all of it, uh, just people change, you know. You know, you, you get more what about me's and, and when is my turn because people start to they forget at every level it's the same God. Promotion comes from the same God. You have to trust in the same God, Right? And vindication comes from the same God, no matter what the level, no matter what the criticism and what the demand. All right, that's all for today. Just thought I'd add that piece to connections.